Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm host for this one, John Siegley. I'm joined by Sean Moran of Sean Mo Hoops and Sherelle McMillan of Inside Carolina. We are sponsored, as always, by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Guys, this is going to be the kickoff episode to a new weekly podcast series that we will be doing. The name is TBD. I'm leaning towards the Coast to Coast podcast since we've got Sean over here and you know he's over there in Cali and then Rel and I are here on the East Coast. But we'll see about that. But we're going to be recording this every week, uh, hopefully on Sundays, and just going to be kind of giving a overview of the basketball team, how they're doing, some trends, thoughts, stuff like that, and then also touching on recruiting news when relevant. So let's go ahead and jump right into this. And Sean, since Sherelle has been doing the post game shows with Tommy, he's already talked a lot <laughs> so far this season. We have not heard from you, man. When you were watching or, I guess, following along with UNC's first two games, I don't know if you bothered doing the, the flow sports thing or not, uh, but what's kind of one thing that has stood out to you that's a positive so far in this early season? Well, I'd say the first positive is they're, they're 2-0. and um, I think at halftime of the Notre Dame game, you know, while they're a 10-point favorites, uh, I think, you know, it wouldn't have been a su- huge surprise if, if they had come out short and then you're 0-1 in the ACC and 1-1 and and overall. So the main thing is they're 2-0. I mean, Cole Anthony, everybody's been talking about him and what he did the first game and his overall stats through two games. Um, I think, you know, Justin Pierce starting to come into a rhythm uh, against UNC Wilmington. I know it was a game that he was, you know, very familiar with playing in the CAA and a team that he has done well in the past. But I think it was, you know, that was maybe the main thing of just starting to, you know, for one of the new guys to get some, you know, get some rhythm and, and see how they go going forward. All right. And then, Sherelle, what about for you, man? You've uh, you've watched both games so far. What's kind of a trend or something that you've noticed the team having a tendency towards over these first two games? Uh, I think it's in in the preseason, Roy Williams told uh, reporters and he told anybody who would listen that he was worried about the team's ability to score. And, you know, you wondered at the time if he was just trying to send a message to the team through the media, if he really believed it. Um, but I, I see where he's coming from now, especially after uh, Armando Baycott went out uh, in the game on Friday with it looked like a head injury. And then Brandon Robinson not being able to play, Anthony Harris still being out, Sterling Manley still being out. Um, so, you know, I, I wondered like, how are they going to score at times? Because, you know, Garrison Brooks is a great player. He's a great defender, but he's not someone that you're going to throw the ball into and, and say, you know, take 15, 16 shots and score for us. So really it, it comes down to Cole Anthony ha- having to have a really, really high usage rate. Um, you know, uh, 35% of possessions he's been used by UNC, which is pretty crazy. Um, so that to me stuck out the most and, you know, they put up 
75 plus points in both games, but at times it seems like it was a little bit of a struggle to score. Um, so that's something I think I'll be kind of watching moving forward. Yeah, I was going to say the the offense itself, it's not so much the points scored, like you said. I mean, they, they are scoring close to what you would expect in, in the upper 70s. But to me, it just seems as if the baskets are a little bit harder to come by. Talking about Cole Anthony, I mean, he has been the driving force so far this season, Sean. Do you think it is sustainable that he can keep up this level of play for most of the season? No, I, I definitely don't. Right now, as Troll mentioned, 35%. But once you start getting into ACC play and especially some some tougher opponents, uh, you know, they're going to be focusing on him even more, trying to get the ball out of his hands and make other people uh, make plays and, and make shots. So I definitely don't think it is sustainable. It's definitely nice to see, especially that first game, you know, having a top recruit come in and kind of get that notoriety rather than, you know, maybe a Harrison Barnes type where he struggles out of the gate. So I think it was good for him to, you know, show the scoring prowess and rebounding prowess that he has, but definitely not sustainable. And then one thing just to kind of follow up on Sherelle's point, uh, you know, just looking through the Ken Palm stats, and I know it's only only two games, so things will will change drastically, but they're you know, their offensive rating is strong. Their tempo ranked 12th in the country. So numbers you expect to see uh, from a Roy Williams team. But one number that jumped out was average possess- uh, possession length, which is at, uh, right now 16 seconds, and they rank 110th. You can go back through any of Roy's teams at UNC, and the lowest they finish is 25th in the in the country. So I think that shows how hard it is for them to create and get easy baskets um, and something to definitely monitor as the the games continue. All right, let me ask a question to both of you guys. And Sherelle, going to start with you for this. UNC does need someone to step up. I think Sean is completely right about that. Who do you think it can be on this team to really help with the scoring load? I, mean, I think Armando Baycott will, will really help with that once he continues to get acclimated and feels a little more comfortable, you know, just playing college basketball um, because he is someone I think they can give the ball to um, and, you know, he can get them 10 points just by, you know, playing in the low post. Uh, I, I think it was the the very first game. He, his first basket was really good footwork. It was kind of a, just a little spin move with a jump hook over his uh, left shoulder, excuse me, over his right shoulder. And just, you know, that's something that North Carolina hasn't had the last couple of years, a player with the ability to do that. So I think he'll help tremendously just from the looks that he'll get from Cole Anthony on on pick and roll um, or in pick and roll situations. And then I think, you know, he hasn't played great the first two games, but I think Christian Keeling will be able to as well. There's a reason he's in the starting lineup. You know, I don't think Roy Williams would have put him there just to, you know, satiate his ego or anything like that. I think he believes he's a good player and he's shown that through practice. And, you know, one of the things that, they wanted out of him when they recruited him was to, hey, come in, come in and score. And uh, I think he'll provide that as he gets more comfortable at UNT. All right, Sean, same question to you. Who do you think is capable of stepping up and helping out with the scoring load? Uh, that's a good question. I think Justin Pierce showed he can do that role. Um, I think, you know, it'll still take some time for him to get adjusted, especially once the competition ramps up. Um, you know, Robinson, when he does get back just because of his experience and, and he has shown the ability to hit shots in the past. And then I'd also agree with Sherelle on Keeling. I think right now he, he definitely looks lost out there, um, and, and that he's not ready for, you know, to be playing at that kind of top division one level, but 
last year he showed he can, you know, really shoot the ball, uh, 36%, 40% from three point line, which right now he's, I think one for six. Um, he's also been able to show he can finish at the paint. So I think for him, it's really just getting, getting up to the speed level. And right now there's going to be two more games for him to ideally work through, some of the issues and get more comfortable. So I would see Roy still giving him kind of a, a little bit of a longer leash over the next two weeks with Gardner Webb and Elon before you really start getting into some quality competition with Alabama, Ohio State, and Virginia. And you definitely need his his confidence and somebody to be able to hit shots outside uh, besides Cole and and Pierce right now and Playtech. Yeah, the schedule is not kind to UNC. Like you mentioned, they do have that game versus a ranked Ohio State team coming right up. Real quick, Sean, you mentioned earlier, what was UNC's rating on Ken Palm right now? Right now, I mean, they're they're overall number six, so pretty good. Number five in offensive rating, number nine in defensive rating. So, you know, top 10 team. But definitely, as you watch the game, you know, you can be concerned. But at the same time, 2-0 and and, and hopefully 4-0 going into that that main stretch. So they're right, right after Virginia and right after Duke um, in terms of the rankings. Yeah. I was going to see about the rebounding numbers because to me, that's been a huge part of UNC's game is that they are getting contributions from leaky black Cole Anthony. And then especially Justin Pierce, you know, against the Seahawks, Anthony had 10 leaky black had seven and then Pierce chipped in with actually 12 in that game. But even against Notre Dame, which is a step up in competition, you know, Pierce was still able to get seven, and Leaky Black had seven as well. And I think with this year's team, the guards are really going to have to shoulder a lot of that rebounding load, but it's going to be very key for them to maintain those possessions and be able to get easy baskets. You know, Sherelle, when, when you're looking at that, What's really stood out to you about just this team's ability to really go after there and get rebounds, both on the defensive and offensive end? I think from Friday, it's a little skewed because they shot so poorly from the field. There were a ton of rebounds to be had. So the numbers are are a little out of whack there because I don't think they'll shoot that poorly um, moving forward, you know, throughout the season. But to your point, uh, you know, they have tremendous size. They have lineups, you know, lineup combinations where Cole Anthony could be the shortest one on the court. I mean, they could easily do something like, uh, Cole Anthony, 6'3", Brandon Robinson, 6'5", Leaky Black, 6'7", 6'8", Garrison Brooks, 6'9", Armando Baycott, 6'9", you know, or swap out Justin Pierce for Leaky and another 6'7", type player. So um, they all have that ability, and we've talked about it all offseason about how Pierce and Keeling were very good rebounders at their level, about how Garrison Brooks has proven to be a solid rebounder at UNC, about how Armando Baycott coming in should be able to help in that regard. And then uh, how Cole Anthony, uh, Roy Williams has called him the best defensive rebounding guard he's ever recruited or ever seen. So um, all of the players pretty much that constitute their you know, top six or top seven have proven to be really solid rebounders. So it, it's going to help because what we just talked about was that maybe this isn't the best scoring or shooting team. So how do you kind of uh, make up for that? Like you said, get extra possessions, you get offensive rebounds, you get putbacks, you get fouled, you go to the free throw line, those type of things. That's how you overcome uh, maybe some scoring deficiencies that the team might have uh, throughout the season. 
All right, guys, let's go ahead and take a very quick commercial break to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are a longtime sponsor of Inside Carolina. If you are going to be in town for UNC's last home football game coming up in a couple of weeks, or if you're going to be attending one of the basketball games, make sure that you swing by Franklin Street and visit Giant T-Shirt there. They've been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service. And they carry anything that you could want for the Tar Heel fan in your family. They do have everything for the big sports, basketball, and football. But they also have soccer jerseys, lacrosse jerseys, baseball, field hockey, anything that you could want. You can find it there at Giant T-Shirt. You can also find it at GiantT-Shirt.com if you can't make it into Chapel Hill. You can always shop there. Hey, the holiday seasons are coming up as well. So if you need a gift idea... Head over to Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. And always remember that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders. You can get that code from the Premium Basketball or the Premium Football Board. That's 10% off of your order at GiantT-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Your place to go for Carolina gear. Sean, let's talk about the defense real quick because I've also liked what I've seen so far of UNC really being able to hustle. For a team that is not very, really familiar with playing with each other at this point in the season. It seems as if UNC, though, is really able to communicate pretty well on the defensive side of the ball. And Notre Dame had some open looks from three-point, but overall, I mean, they finished that game only 9 for 31, 29%, which is basically exactly what you would want. And then Wilmington, they shot 5 for 28. When you're looking at UNC's ability to kind of defend the three and just defend overall, what are you seeing there so far early on this year? Well, right now, with you didn't have a, you don't have a lot of starters returning. You have Cole Anthony, freshman grad grad transfers, and then basically bench people stepping up and start starting roles besides Garrison. So it's been been a pretty positive showing the first uh, two games in terms of kind of the experience and collaboration that they've shown. But one thing I was noticing in the Wilmington game, and this was more when when Huffman was in, but in years past there have been problems on the pick and roll of teams been able to exploit UNC and I could see uh, they were a little slow on hedging and recovering at times with the with the big um, and UNC Wilmington was able to uh, kind of get a few easy buckets on that so that's something I want to watch going forward especially as there is a step up in competition and how UNC guards that but for all the new pieces they have so far I think it's it's definitely been above what I was expecting from them at this point in time. All right, and then guys, let's go ahead and zoom out a little bit and talk about the ACC college basketball just in general right now. Uh, If you guys have been following the rest of the top 10, top 20-ish teams, it doesn't seem to me like this is a season where you have one really true elite team. So when you're comparing how the Heels are playing right now, how do you think they stack up with the, the competition on a national scale, Sean? It's a good question. I think every year you go into the beginning of the season and people are always talking about, you know, who college basketball lost, all the one and done freshmen and that it's it's wide open, et cetera. And this year, I think you can finally say that, you know, just watching the the Champions Classic with Michigan State, Kentucky, Duke and Kansas, uh, you know, all those teams look beatable. Uh, And then, you know, Virginia's playing right now. Louisville looked good at Miami. But once again, there's no you know, amazing team that's going to, I think, separate itself from the pack. So while there are definitely warts with North Carolina, I think there are warts with everybody. Um, You know, watching Virginia play, for instance, they lost pretty much most of their scoring. And now Diakite is kind of their go-to 
offensive player. And then you have, have Duke who, you know, once again, they have a lot of talent, but they're going to be trying to work in their talented freshmen. And you can kind of go, go on down the list. Michigan state, who is a preseason number one team, you know, they could barely buy a basket from outside the three point line in New York. So it's been, it's definitely been interesting and it's easy to say a down year, but you know, right now it's, it's wide open and will be interesting to see which teams can gel and, and which teams, you know, really pick up uh, over the, the November, December going into conference play. What about you, Sherelle? Have any teams kind of stood out to you as either being better than what you expected or potentially worse than what you were thinking? Not particularly. It just And I try not to form any conclusions on teams until we get to January. Not trying to avoid the question. But, you know, so much changes. As Sean said, the freshmen are getting integrated into their new systems. They're learning about college basketball. Every team is just going to be so much different uh, in two months than they are right now. So, you know, you can look for some trends, you know, especially with individuals and say, okay, this team has, you know, five people I recognize. Uh, Of those five, you know, three have played really well. And of those three, I think this guy really has a chance to be, you know, all ACC or all American. So that's really what I look for more individually uh, the first couple of months. And for North Carolina, you know, bringing it back there, um, it is, you know, if you want to call it a down year or whatever, you can. But for UNC, most nights they're going to have the best player on the floor. And when you have that, you always have a chance. I mean, there's been so many times over the last few years where maybe Carolina had the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth best player on the court, but maybe not the first. And the first, you know, the player who was the best on the court, you know, kind of gave it to them and ended up not beating them by themselves, but really, really, really making it tough for North Carolina. And I think um, a lot of nights, Carolina will at least have the number one player on the court. And if you have that, you have a chance to beat anybody. Absolutely. Guys, let's go ahead and take our very last commercial break. And when we get back, let's go ahead and wrap this podcast up with a little bit of recruiting talk. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Sean Moran and Trell McMillan. All right, so Sean, signing day is coming up this week. UNC has landed a very, very, very good class to me. When you're looking at all the names that are going to be signing for the Tar Heels, who do you really think stands out in this in the UNC class to you? Well, I really like you know, pretty much everybody they sign. RJ Davis, I haven't seen as much of, so I definitely want to watch more of him. But, you know, between Sharp, I've gotten to see a lot over the years and have loved how he's improved and what he's added to his game. Uh, Kessler is very intriguing. I think regarding those two, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens this year with the UNC's big men and then how both of those five-star prospects are incorporated. Uh, from Kayla Love, I think he will be, you know, the the one that's talked about the most, especially with Cole Anthony and his most likely uh, depending departure. And then with Puff Johnson, uh, you get some some size and some shooting. So I think, you know, for Puff, I'm actually pretty excited to see. And I think the one thing to to caution people as people on is, you know, we got to see Cam Johnson his junior and senior year when he was really in his prime, and we didn't really have to watch his freshman year when he was averaging four points per game. So I think Puff is is a guy that isn't going to light the world on fire his freshman year, but I think, you know, as a sophomore junior, we'll really be able to to make an impact. Yeah, UNC has basically recruited a starting five, where you have Caleb Love at point guard, RJ Davis as the, the combo guard there, or I guess Caleb Love as lead guard, and then Puff Johnson forward, Dayron Sharp, down the post and same thing with Walker Kessler. Sherelle, you talked about at the beginning of the recruiting cycle that the staff really basically wanted a guy at every position. So in that sense, I mean, they have definitely accomplished that mission. When you're looking at the talent, though, were you anticipating that UNC would be able to get such highly rated guys when this recruiting cycle first really began in earnest? So I'll answer that in a couple of ways. Uh, I think once they had Dayron committed and we saw, you know, how well he played, you, you knew they had at least one McDonald's All-American just because he's played so well and he's continued to improve and he committed so early. So they felt comfortable there that they have somebody, another post player. <clears throat> if you start going down the line, you knew that they were going to need a point guard and they had to identify, you know, some of the top tier guys. And you, you start to see now the effect of Kobe White of Cole Anthony, this is before he even played a game, but of just of his commitment to UNC and how that impacted Caleb Love. So I think you knew they were going to get a really good point guard. I think you knew that since they had Sharp, they were going to get, or they had a really good big already committed. Um, what surprised me a little bit was really honestly, Walker Kessler was the, the biggest surprise just because, you know, if you look at the roster and a lot can shake out, but um, at the time, you know, Armand, Armando Baycott, is projected to be there was projected to be there as a sophomore and Garrison Brooks was projected to be there as a senior and Sterling Manley, <clears throat> excuse me, as a senior and Brandon Huffman as a senior. So it seems like it would have been a hard sell to um, get another big in addition to sharp to sign in on 2020. Um, and so we, for a while, honestly, we didn't pay attention to any other big guys until it became clear that they really, really wanted a second one. So to me, that was kind of the, the biggest surprise as far as quality that, uh, in spite of their depth chart, they were still able to get, you know, two of the top 20 big guys in the country. Now, Sean, are you going to be able to go out there into a Hillcrest prep in Arizona to watch Puff Johnson some this high school season? Well, that would be nice. But I was looking at their uh, website the other a uh, few days ago once he committed and they don't even have their schedule up yet. So it'll be nice. Uh, hopefully they can get their act together and, and get a schedule out and would love to love to go see him play, especially with somebody being being out on the West Coast, you know, with uh, there have been a few other L.A. guys or California guys that I've been hoping would be interested in Carolina, but I'll, I'll settle for somebody in Phoenix right now. For Carolina fans, uh, just a note, uh, Hillcrest will be at the Chick-fil-A uh, Classic in Columbia, South Carolina, the week of Christmas. So that's probably as close as he's going to get to Chapel Hill um, and him and his team. So uh, check that out. We'll, we'll definitely be down there for that, too. Oh, very nice. That's a really high quality basketball tournament, isn't it, Sherelle? 
Oh yeah, it's one of my favorites. Uh, they do a good job. Um, that's where, you know, we first saw Jalik Felton, Seventh Woods, um, Zion, a, a few other players. That's kind of where um, they came onto the radar. Nice. All right. Well, guys, let's go ahead and wrap it up with this. Now that the 2020 recruiting class has, is going to be signed and that one's pretty much done, 2021 is going to come right into focus. So, Sean, with UNC coming off the heels of a very, very successful class, how do you think that it puts them in position for 2021? I think it puts them in a, in a strong position because you go back a year ago and they were in contention for a lot of the top guys, uh, Robinson Earl, Green, et cetera. And, you know, they they landed Cole, but missed out on some of those guys. And now here you go where they landed, for the most part, a lot of their, their key targets. And now you go into next year's recruiting class. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they start to game plan it. Obviously, point guard is going to be a need, but what else will they be looking for and who are they going to really start to target now that the 2020 class is, is done? So going back a few weeks when I was at the USA basketball camp and you were talking to a lot of rising juniors and there have definitely been some schools that have been recruiting these guys pretty hard. And Carolina was still kind of, you know, trying to figure out their 2020 mix and had expressed interest, but not as much, uh, full on, you know, full on focus. So I think it'll be interesting to see who Rory gets out and sees over over the next few months in the high school season, um, and outside of point guard, what they're really looking at. Yeah, Sean is right. They're really going to start moving forward with 2021 now that 2020 is mostly wrapped up. I think one thing we have to notice too is that the in-state class in 2021 in North Carolina isn't as strong uh, as previous classes. So there, there's not a Kobe White and there's not a day run sharp out there for North Carolina to lock up early, uh, at least not yet. Someone could emerge, but we haven't seen that as of yet. So they're going to have to be um, more national, I guess, in their recruiting than usual, just because there's not that one prospect who they can kind of get early uh, in the state of North Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see, like I said, uh, you know, I think they'll definitely sign a point guard. Like Sean said, I think wing will be something they'll have to address because Brandon Robinson will have left as well. And then, you're kind of left with uh, Playtech as a senior, possibly playing on the wing along with Puff Johnson and Licky Black, you know, just covering whatever holes there are in the team. So that's another position to look look towards. I think the big guys, they still might try to sign one because um, regardless of what happens, they're going to lose Garrison Brooks, Sterling Manley, and Brandon Huffman prior to the enrollment of the class of 2021. Um, and who knows what Walker Kessler and Dayron Sharp and potentially Armando Baycott might do. So they still will probably look for a uh, big guy as well. Good stuff, guys. All right, well, we'll keep this conversation going for the entire basketball season. But tonight, we'll go and call it a wrap. Thank you guys for talking with me. And actually, just real quick, Sean, what's coming up on the Sean Mo Hoops podcast for the listeners? That's a great question because it's been been fairly quiet uh, over the at the latter part of the summer. I had Tommy Shepard, the Wizards GM, on, and then did a recap of the USA Basketball mini camp in October. But it's been pretty quiet since that. Hoping to get it going next weekend. Start talking some college basketball. So when uh, myself and Sherelle are on next, I'll have something to plug for you guys. All right, good deal. Well, tonight, guys, thanks a lot for talking to me, and we'll talk again soon. All right, thank you. All right, thanks, John. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. 
was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.